Amen. Morning, everyone. Let's give a hand for Lid. That's the first time she's led a meeting. That's awesome. That's awesome because um, when you've got an annoying husband like myself, you forgot to do this. You forgot to do that. Oh, sad, Jen. <laughs> Samoans. Samoans these days. Um, but in my hand, I've got a big pair of scissors. That's massive, eh? They're not actual real scissors. They're prop. Um, but I really felt this morning that God wanted to cut some things off people's lives. And um, I don't know what you've come with or what kind of baggage you've come with, but this morning's, uh, everyone's got baggage. Whether it be small, whether it be you'll be able to carry it, or whether it be something bigger like this. Oh, that way, that's pretty heavy. That's full on. So everyone's got some baggage in some way. So this morning's sermon's about what's in your kete, what's in your bag. What are the things in your life that you're carrying around that you should not be carrying around? Turn to someone beside you and just say, what's in your kete? And if they slap you, you better run. Okay? <laughs> what's in your kete? Nothing! Nothing's in my kete! Nothing's in my kete! It's all your kete! I'm carrying your kete! And if it's, uh, turn to someone behind you and say, what's in your kete? And they look at you, oh no, Ori, you know what's in your kete. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. That's all right. <laughs> It's all good. This morning, um, we're going to talk about generational blessing and generational curses, but also talk about what we see in someone's life. It's amazing because I put a post up uh, about judgment and actually making judgment of people. And I, I mentioned in the comments, and I've done a little blog about it. It's amazing how many people can judge someone based on a scene in their life, but not hear the story. Because when someone comes to you, all you get is this person in front of you. And as soon as we, then we become all these nice, God-fearing Christians, and we don't want to judge, but then automatically the way they're dressed, they, they smell, the way they are and the way they act, oh, they don't have manners. We start to judge people based on what they, what's in front of us. Put your hand up if you've done that. I'm putting my hand up. Because all of us do that. But the reality for us, and I put it in this blog, what I said was this. Judging someone by the scene of their life without hearing their story is like seeing a movie and just watching the starting credits without following through and watching the whole movie. Because all you're getting is a portion of their life. And then you say, well, that guy's rude. That guy is loner. That guy's an idiot. Well, that guy's just an egg. Don't hang around with them. And we say this all the time, and we can all kind of say, oh, no, Joe, God's doing something in their life. And we need to trust that God is doing something in their life. But you cannot make a judgment call on someone without knowing their story. The reason why I start with that is this. We get a lot of people that come through our church family. And a lot of people that we see out there, whether it be at work, whether it be when you go and drop off the kids to school, Whatever it may be, a family function. And as soon as you meet them, Vern, come on up. You greet them, and automatically in your mind, you're kind of saying to yourself, hmm, what is this person like? And it's amazing that you actually, actually put in this person, you go, what do you do for work? That's the first, uh, that's the first question people ask. Crazy, eh? How we, how we limit someone to what they do instead of who they are. That's the first thing you do. Oh, what do you do for work? Who's had that question asked? Not where you're from. 
or, or where are your parents from, which is kind of biblical. Because if you read the Bible, all of them were sons of someone. They were sons of this person, sons of this person. Vernon, stay here. See, Vernon is the son, and I've met Vernon's parents, and his parents are amazing people with their own past, with their own story. But when I met Vernon the first time I met him, I saw him and I thought he was like a bikey. A bike kind of, what he does is to ride a bike. But I saw his, because the first time I met um, Vernon, when he was starting to grow this thing, it wasn't as long as this. It was, it was shorter. Actually, while we're here, But the thing about Vernon is that automatically we can make a judgment on what he appears like or what he does. But God wants us to get into the story and find out who the people was, uh, who they are. Because the thing is that at the end of the day, God wants to bring healing and wholeness to every single person. Because Vernon's got some things he carries in his life, in his backstory. But unless I get to know him and get to know his story I won't be able to be on a place where I can journey with them to find healing. Because it's not me that brings the healing, but if I'm not open enough, I put judgment on him. That's another bag he's got to carry. Oh, Joe doesn't really like me. He doesn't really hang out with me. And then what I do at the end of the day is I start putting stuff on Vern. Yeah, it's sat in the middle, Vern. Vern's going to be our... And then all the stuff that happens... The Vern's already carrying his own stuff. The Vern's got some baggage that he's had to carry for all his life. Some stuff that he's able to carry. Some stuff he's not able to carry. And then there's the stuff that we put on him. How do you feel, Vern? Weighted down. Weighted down. And the reason why I talk about this already is that we're going to talk about generational stuff. But a lot of people make the judgment based on who they are now. When I look at Alan Ruddock, I see Alan, a very planned out man. He knows what he's going to do, and he does it. But I also know Alan's father, Glenn, and I know his mother, Judith. So we've got a bit of history and when I look at those two, I know why Alan's like the way he is. And if you look at Alan the way he is, you can know that his dad is a hard worker. You know his dad is a guy that just gets things done. He's a door. And if you look at Alan's life, you go, that's why Alan is so organized. He loves doing things with people. Because if you see his mom, she's like that. Because he's a mixture of someone. So the thing is that be careful how you actually put something on someone. Because someone's carrying their own kitty. Someone's carrying their own baggage. Then what happens in life is this. Let's get into this. So Vern, you can put this one down, because I know that's the heaviest. And just stand there. Okay, here we go. Now Vern didn't know he's going to be out. Let's give him a hand, because it is tough stand here. So I'm going to change Vernon's name. His name is now going to be, is anyone in this room named Bob? No, no Bob's? So this is Bob. Everyone meet Bob? Say hi, Bob. Now, Bob's got a background. He's got a history. He's got a story. But all we see of Bob now is what he's carrying. Bob is, doesn't want to hang around with people. He's a bit of a loner. 
He doesn't like conversations. He's pretty awkward around people. And we find out there's something more about Bob that we don't know that we want to find out. Isn't that right, Bob? Have you got your Bibles with you? If you don't, um, you can share with the person beside you. And if they say no, you can say, what's in your kitty? <laughs> what's, oi, whoa, no one wants to share this morning. You didn't go to a kindy that said sharing is caring. And it says this in um, Exodus 34. And it says from verse 6 onwards, it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and uh, abundantly in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sins, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on their children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. What it talks about there is uh, this whole thing of, of curse and, and blessing. And what n- normally happens is that when we read that scripture, we kind of take it out because we go, oh, but it's an old, old covenant, it's an Old Testament scripture. But we see in Romans, if you open your Bibles to, you can put your finger on that or mark it down somewhere. But if you open your Bibles to uh, Ephesians, 6, verse 12. And this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. And it says to this, For we do not wrestle with flesh, uh, flesh, flesh, I'm wrestling with flesh this morning, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual weakness in high places. So he talks to them about this. So we can say that, no, it's, it's something that's in the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, but also looking at Paul, he actually brings it back up against, and he goes, well, actually, there's some things that we're dealing with that actually are actually the, the enemy working in someone's life, or things that have happened to create a gap for the enemy to sneak in to create some of those curses. And so what we have is a person in front of us that's had to battle with some things. Now we're going to break it down now. Here we go. Are you ready? And my prayer this morning is that something will be like an aha moment for you or a light bulb will come on and go, wow, that's why I'm like that. But you don't have to live like that. This morning, in Jesus' name, we're praying that you'll be set free. And it doesn't have to be a dragged out prayer. It can be, God, I recognize that there's something going on that I'm actually hurting people with the pain I've had to carry because of generations past. And today, I want to break it off in Jesus' name. And that's what you need to do. It's simple as that. You don't have to stand there all day, 24 hours a day, just going, what, what happened? That God is that powerful that he can come in if you're willing to submit yourself, resist the devil, because he'll flee, and obey God. It's, it's amazing what God can do. But there's the willingness from our side. Because some people love holding on to their stuff. Because their stuff is so part of them, they carry around. But then in the end of the day, they realize, wow, 
I didn't, weigh, I didn't realize I was weighed down by all that junk. Today I want to talk about a few things, and then we're going to talk about how we can break some of this stuff off. Thanks, Vern. You've been awesome, bro. You can have a seat until we get back to you, because I know carrying all that weight is a tough thing to do. It is tough. If you open your Bibles to 2 Samuel, we're going to talk about one, um, one story, and this is a tough story. This is a really tough story. 2 Samuel 13, and we're going to read the story of, of from th- uh, verses 19 to 22. And this is a tough story. This is a real tough story. Now, David was an amazing man of God. Who knows that? He was awesome. Like, you read the Bibles, he wrote most of the Psalms. You hear about King David, uh, even the flag of David, you know, in Jerusalem. It's, it's all there because David was this amazing hero, champion of God. But David was a bad dad. He didn't raise his kids properly. So this is a story on that. And it says here, then Tamar, Tamar was the daughter, put ashes on her head and tore her robe in many, many colors that was on her and lay with her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. And um, Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Ammon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. So the dad comes in and he hears about all the stuff and he's dealing with this. Absalom spoke to his brother Ammon. Neither good nor bad. From Absalom hated Adam because he had forced his sister Tamar. And you're probably thinking, what's this all about? So Abnon rapes his sister. This is a story of rape, of sexual abuse. You think the Bible doesn't talk about this stuff? It does. It's right there. Right there. But we've got to kind of put nice, colorful things over it. We put our Christian jargon over it to make it colorful. But the reality is she got raped. The poor girl got raped in her own household. And then what happens is this. She's trying to, she's crying, she's wanting help. And then her brother, obviously her brother, it's a traumatic experience. This has is, this is torn her apart. And then what happens is that there's a, her brother, Absalom, who was like the guy to go to. He was supposed to be the older brother, kind of giving her counsel. And he goes, shh. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. What does does it do? The pain that was on her was covered up by her family, her brothers, because they didn't want to bring shame onto the house. So she became disconnected from her feelings her dreams, and her family members because of that. There's some things in our lives that we need to deal with that God wants to set us free from. And even though we're talking about a story of sexual abuse in this one instant, there's things in our lives that we need to deal with, whether it be spiritual or actually emotional or physical abuse that we need to deal with because those things haunt us 
And guess what? That pain carries on from generation to generation. Hello? And then you look back at your family tree, and we do this with marriage counseling. Lynn and I, we, we look back and we go, when someone's on the verge of divorce, we sit down with them and say, okay, let's have a look at your family. And we ask them, any of your family members divorced? Oh, yeah, my uncle, my auntie. And anyone before that, oh, actually, my, my, grand uncle, my grandfather's brother, my grandfather's mother. And it goes back because that's sitting in their family tree. Unless someone who is bold enough and courageous enough, who stands on the principles of the Word of God, and who stands on God alone and says, Jesus is the way. He's the truth and He's the life. And today, my family will serve the Lord. This household needs to change. And there's some people in our communities that are struggling with this. It's an ongoing battle, an ongoing thing. And we realize, why is that person like that? And we make judgments on someone seen in their life. So, Bob, can you stand up here? Thanks, Bob. So, Bob has had a rough time. He's, he's a smiley type of person. Hey, hey. He loves people. He just be around people. Smiley guy, you know. But no, deep inside, there's three things that Bob is struggling with. There's brokenness, there's bitterness, and there's barrenness. So Bob, his story is this. We see Bob, happy guy. But when Bob gets home, he's crushed. He's broken. He's bitter about life. He doesn't know where to turn sometimes. He thought that church was it. And he comes along because he wants to get connected because as a child, he didn't have that connection. And see, we, we see Bob. And what happens is that we don't realize that when we see Bob, we don't see the chains that Bob was carrying. Rob, come on up. Man. Kyle, come on up. And over here, see, and hold that, bro. See, Bob is a product of his past. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. Every one of us are a product of our past. I remember when, uh, just before I get married, and have a look at that, that picture. It's a powerful picture. I remember just before getting married, and I've told the story a countless num number of times, but I remember my friend Matt, he was the pastor of the church that we were part of. And before we got married, he said to me, hey, we'll catch up, just go through some things, pre-marital counseling, stuff like that. And I thought, oh, cool, this is kind of the Christian thing you do, you know, get ready, prepped up. No, you go in there. And we sat down, and, and Matt looks at me and goes, uh, is there any issues like with your family that you need to kind of let go? And he told me this whole, what's in your kitty? What's the baggage you carry? And I said, nothing. Oh, good. I'm just excited. Getting married. No, she's like a babe. And I'm getting married to Lydia. And then she's like, oh, Kevin. So uh, any issues with your mom? Oh, my mom was amazing. She's like always there. So encouraging, man. My mom was the most compassionate. If you, some of you have met my mom. And she's one of the most people, people you could ever meet. She just loves people. Even though she doesn't know you, she just sits down like she knows you. 
And then I was going, yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, all good, man. And, and uh, your dad, I hate him. <laughs> the guy. And this it all came out. And it kind of blurted out because it was stuff that was in me that needed to come out. And in that moment, as he asked me, he just asked me, and your relationship with your dad? <laughs> There's nothing. Don't like that guy. And I even told me, I wanted to kill him. Honestly, wanted to kill him. When I was strong enough, when I was big enough, and it was a vow that I take back, and I praise God that by his blood, that all that is actually cut off. It's cut off. And now me and my dad, we have this great relationship where I go, he doesn't really, like he hugs like this. And I just put my arms around him. But the thing is that in that moment, right before we got married, I was taking my stuff into my relationship. And when you take your brokenness, your brokenness into a relationship, what's going to happen in that relationship? It's going to be broken. So one broken person connects with another broken person, what's going to happen? It's going to be broken. And what happens in divorces a lot of times, all you're dealing with, not each other, is the baggage that that person brought in. And we think, well, what do we need to do? We need to get, honestly, to the point and get to the bottom of the root issues and deal with it. Because, you know, Bob, he didn't come into life broken. He didn't ask to be bitter. He didn't ask to be barren. But when he was a youngster, all he knew was physical abuse. All his dad knew was to show him who was boss, who was the alpha in our house. And Bob grows up bitter with this person who abused him. But we don't understand Nadi, coming up. And we blame, we go back and go, we blame this guy. No, no, no. It goes further back. See, this guy, Bob's father, he was struggling with this. He wanted to control his family. Because in our culture, if you're the alpha, you're the alpha. Because in our family, I'm the boss. And then what he does is that he manipulates, he intimidates, he dominates his son, who in turn only knows one thing, is to hate this person, but also to show the next generation the pain that he felt. And that's what happens. Because it's this whole thing of generations upon generations. And you wonder why. And then people go, man, you, you're just not a people person. And then we make judgments. You go, why don't you come over when we invite you over? Because I'm still dealing with this. Because of this. And because of this. Hello? Then what happens is this. Bob lives with other forgiveness. And the things of people around him are not saying the wisest things. These people around us are not saying the wisest things. 
Your friend goes, makes a smart remark at work. He goes, man, you're so useless. You know what that does to this guy? All his whole life, he's been hearing that word useless. And you're thinking, it's just a jibe. It's just a, a, a sarcastic statement. Hey, well, bros, it's all good. But this guy is dying inside. Because his father called him useless, because his father called him useless, and it carries on, and it carries on, and it carries on, and it carries on, and it carries on. And this guy lives a broken life until Jesus comes in. We've got to reveal the stuff. Because the reality is there's people out there that we need to be out there with who need Jesus. And what we can do is actually be Jesus with skin. Because we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers. Because when we hear the love of God, hey, how does that show? I'm going to go, hey, bro, man, I miss you today. We embrace someone. Because what you're doing then, I've never been hugged. I've never been loved. My dad has a statement, and I've said this before. He doesn't say, I love you, and I worked it out. He says, good luck. My dad says, good luck. Every time I see him, he says, good luck, son. And I know I love you too. <laughs> because what happens is that he doesn't know how to put the words, form the words to say it because he's never been taught himself. And it becomes a curse because we all think, oh, it's a sad, it's like this curse, it's like this. But actually, people are living out a lot of the curse through a lot of these things in their lives. Broken, bitterness, they're barren. And if we don't resolve this, what normally happens is that it comes covered over. You don't deal with it, like the story of Tamar. We don't deal with it. It becomes a whole thing of, shh, it didn't happen. It did happen. We need to recognize it did happen, and we need to help them find a place where they can get healed. We can't cover over things. My wife has this wonderful saying that you keep sweeping stuff under the carpet. One day, you'll trip over that carpet. And that's what happens. And because Bob has lived a life where everyone thinks, oh, Bob's okay. He's all right. He's a bit unsociable. You know, when we invite him over, he doesn't come over. Um, yeah, I stopped inviting him because he's really, yeah, he's not part of what we do. And we can be like this in church. Hello? We can be all the kind of lovely stuff we say, put up posts, all the memes we can put up. But at the end of the day, if this is not being dealt with, that you're going to actually be carrying some stuff that you're going to actually face, not being able to face with. And it's important when you break it off. Break it off today. You're probably thinking, how do we do that, Joe? How do you get it? Easy. His name is Jesus. So I can't break it off. It's only Jesus that will be able to break this off by actually saying, God, I need your help. So I'm going to give you some things that we need to do. And we're going to have a time of ministry. Is this connecting with some of you this morning? Number one, you need to recognize. And probably people are thinking, well, it's good that you shared that this morning, Joe. That's probably for that person I've been praying for. Uh, 
Um, actually, um, the great prophet Michael Jackson says it starts with the man in the mirror. So maybe start with yourself first, and then we'll go from there. Because it's amazing how many people in church life go, oh, yeah, it's what the other person that didn't come today. But I'll make sure I share with them because I'll really encourage them. Man, honestly, we need to get over that and actually go, God, what are you doing in me? Because there's some stuff I've been carrying that I actually don't really know that I actually didn't realize that was there. But I'm carrying, I feel way down. And it's amazing when you pray for people and then the first thing they say is that, I feel so much lighter. I feel peace. I feel release. So number one, we need to recognize. And some of the brokenness is uh, seen in these practical things. When, when you're actually broken, you're bitter and you're barren, you try and fill up your brokenness with temporary satisfaction. With the gills, with the gold, and with the glory. And then you, all you do is actually, there's some other stuff you do. You actually fill it up with the, oh, I just have a, a one drink. It's alcohol gets in the way. And then the next minute you're wasted. But guess what? You have to wake up the next day. And that thing is still going to be there. So no alcohol, that's the wrong spirit. No alcohol is not going to take that pain away. This, realizing that Jesus is the answer, that will take it away. And then it's an ongoing journey from there. Recognize, number one. Number two, repent. We learned last week, metanoia. Annoia. It's the, the change, the changing of thinking, the change of direction. Actually going, I recognize I've got a problem. I repent of that. And then your next thing you need to do is renounce. Renounce is actually say it out loud. And it could be in a small group of people praying for you, but you need to say, I remember when uh, people were praying for me uh, through this whole thing with my dad and the issue, I remember um, when we were praying for it, uh, Matt just said, just repeat after me, bro. And I said, yeah, because it's an easy way of just walking someone through it if you've never through, been through that process. Uh, they call it deliverance. It's like taking... The story of uh, the Egyptians coming off out of Egypt, uh, I mean, uh, Israelites coming out of Egypt, you know we had to get out of Egypt, but the thing is that after that, you had to get Egypt out of the people, because Egypt, the way of living and the way they were thinking was still in them, so you had to get that. So the whole process was this, I sat there, and I realized, I recognized that I had an issue. I had an anger and a hate towards my dad. I couldn't get over it. And then from there, I needed to repent, oh God, forgive me. Forgive me. And I remember in that moment, Matt says, you need to forgive him. What? Why should I forgive that guy? He showed his love through his fist. I don't want to forgive him. What are you talking about? There's no, you need to. And he goes, because when you forgive him, God will forgive you. It's a whole with the Lord's prayer. They forgive those and then he will forgive you. And the whole thing of me releasing him, this is important. We renounced it. I said, I forgive my dad. And I couldn't stop weeping in that moment because I knew that the whole stuff, all this junk was in me, all the bags I was carrying, all the stuff that I was fighting with was being put down. Wanting to take my life was put down because I realized something I needed to let go. And then he said, you need to go and see him. What? We've done this behind closed doors. It's okay. No, no, you need to go and see him. 
I remember seeing him sitting down with my dad and actually forgiving him. He didn't understand a word I was saying. But you know what? Something spiritually happened in that moment between me and my dad. Because we got closer. We got more verbal. We actually started talking to each other instead of shouting. And it actually became better. And it was a journey of rediscovery of father and son. Renounce. Number four is release. You need to release forgiveness. Release it. You need to renew. Renew your mind. Renew your thinking. And the last one is, this is a great one. Rejoice. Rejoice because you're free. And you're probably thinking, oh, is it just that easy? Yes, it is. Jesus comes into your life and he takes it and he changes it for his sake. And then what happens is that the practical outworking of that, that takes a journey. That takes a journey. That takes a road of rediscovering, thinking a new way of actually not feeling, feeling like you're broken anymore. No, that you actually love now. People love you. That you actually, Bob was able to say, I forgive. My dad's a piece towards me. And this relationship can be healed. And probably his grandfather's passed on, but yet there's a release that he's like, I forgive him. That started this whole mess. And if friends around you are discouraging, get some new friends. I'm the, I don't say no. Some people are so funny because they go, oh, I'm just in a really toxic environment. Get out of the toxic environment and save yourself. I just don't understand. But the whole thing of that is a spiritual intimidation, manipulation. And also, there's a, there's a whole thing of a soul tie which connects you to that person. Like, I can't do without them. A lot of abuse cases that people say, and you hear the ladies or the men, because men get abused as well. I'm just putting it out there. The people, they're men, probably, oh, Kevin. But it's real. But the thing is that a lot of them don't report it until a few weeks later. Why? Because they're scared. Well, actually, some people don't report it for years. Why? Because the whole manipulation behind that is that I cannot survive without them. And that can be broken. You can survive. There's healing. And there's a breakthrough that's coming for you. So once that happens, when there's forgiveness released, so once Bob's saying, I forgive my dad, I forgive him for the abuse. There's a, these, these breaks, these come, don't break them, man. I pay $2 for them. <laughs> and then when, when he starts breaking off, and, and then he starts, I want to be real with this about friendships. If you know some friends are saying the wrong things, just tell them, hey, bro, just cool it down. Just pull your head in, man. Honestly, just some of the stuff you say is, it's ridiculous, bro. Can you start acting like you're 30 or you're 25? Because at the moment, it's like intermediate age I'm talking to. I'm just being real because some people just take it, as a, take it on the cheek and think you can't see. If they're friends, just tell them. Hey, bro, if you want to be a friend, be a friend. Just, just get rid of the smart word and, and all that ridiculous words you say. Okay? Okay, you can still be friends. But you're thinking, now how can I release my grandfather who's passed on? You can. If you can release yourself. How can you do that? The greatest key that God has given us, and it's divinely done because it's given us, he's given to mankind, is the key of forgiveness. We hold the key in our hand. 
The prison cell around us, it locks from the inside. And we have access to the key that unlocks that. But sometimes we're too scared to walk towards the door to find out what does freedom feel like? What does letting go feel like? What does the weight coming off feel like? Well, it feels like you can do a bit more. But, but Joe, people are going to see my junk, and Because your story becomes a testimony for others. But yeah, you, you take it off, man. Take off your stuff, man. You don't have to. Hey, don't throw it down, bro. I put my bag down, bro. I put my bag down, man. <laughs> but the thing is that, who cares if people are seeing your stuff? Because when people see your stuff, hey, you've gone through that. I'm going through that. Can you help me? Become, you become a blessing instead of a curse. You become a blessing to someone else. And people go, no, we should just hide the stuff so no one can see. But how are people going to get free if they don't see? Oh, oh, oh. But it's important. Let people see your junk because the thing is that you're working through it. And then in the meantime, God is doing some great work in his heart in his life, and then when someone comes along, a friend goes, hey, bro, I've been going through some stuff. I've been, I don't know what's been in my kitty, but well, when I pulled it out, bro, whew, there's some heavy stuff in there that I've been carrying for a long time, and I see you're not ashamed of where you've been. I see that you're not ashamed of what God has done. I want to be on that journey too. Show me, bro. Show me this Jesus who you're talking about. Give these guys a round of applause, guys. Thanks, team. Well, let's all stand to our feet this morning. I don't, I don't want to draw this out, um, but... If you know this stuff that you're facing right now that you know you've been carrying for years, let's just say, man, can someone just pray for me? And all you need to do is just come out here. The reason why we, there's nothing spiritual about being at the front. The reason why is that it's hard to get to your seat if we're at the front. And uh, we're trying to, trying to carry, jump over the seats and that stuff. So it's a lot easier that we bring two people to the front so they can actually have more space so people can come around and pray for them. So everyone's got baggage. If you've got baggage, put your hand up. But the great thing is that in the process that God can bring healing and wholeness to your life. So this morning, we're going to open up this front here. I just, all I want you to do is say, man, I recognize that I've carried some stuff for a long time. It may be just a small thing. It may manifest as I've got this real anger problem. It's come from somewhere. I think when I got into uh, marriage and I married Lydia, one of the biggest things I was struggling with was my anger because I used to just lose it because I wasn't able to kind of control it. So I was like, does it mean I'm perfect? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. But it's been a journey. It's been a journey. And I just want to ask you this morning that if there's things in your life you're thinking, man, I don't really need some prayer for this. Being at the front doesn't make you any less a person. It's actually, you're owning your stuff and you're saying, actually, I need prayer for this because I want to break through. Because guess what? I don't want to pass it down to my kids. 
I don't want to pass the pain down to my grandkids. Today, in this house, today with my family, I'm going to break it. And that's why I'm going to stand there and say, I don't care what people say. I don't care what people are looking at. I really don't care because today I'm getting my breakthrough. That's all I'm saying. And if you're willing enough to take the courage to say, hey, that's me. I want to walk out this room today a bit more lighter because I've got my breakthrough. If that's you, just run to the front. Walk to the front. Come on up. Just come on. Awesome. Just come on up. There's no shame in this place. This should be the safest place for you. Uh, today, we're going to cut some stuff off. You ready? So we're going to pray. We're going to ask God. God, I just want to, let's pray right now. God, I just want to thank you that you're so gracious, that you're a father. And Father, this morning, I just want to thank you that you want to break through because you don't want us to carry on our baggage, what's in our kete, to the generations to come. That's why today I'm standing here for my family and for my children's children because I want to say today in my house, in my family, these chains will be broken. Nothing's going to hold me back anymore. I'm tired of carrying this stuff I shouldn't be carrying. I'm tired of carrying the junk of other people. I'm going to let it go today in Jesus' name. There's going to be some, some of the leaders that's going to come down and just pray with you. But guess what? The most important thing is that you connect with God just now and say, God, I recognize that. Do your own karakia, your own prayer to Him. It's conversating with God. And there will be some leaders that come around and just really karakia with you and pray with you. And if you're still out there and you're thinking, hey, I need to go up there. Hey, there's no shame in that coming late. All good.